This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I feel like I'm really close. I feel like I'm really close to these animals <laughs> right now. And I feel like they're going to figure me out pretty quick. Yeah. Like, I feel like I'm standing out despite being up in a tree. Man, those deer came in that evening. It was it was a group. It was two does and a spike buck that came in. Uh, and they had no idea that I was there. It, it felt awesome. so good to have deer just walk in at 20 yards and not even pay you any mind. Yeah. What are you going to do? She's down. Let's go. Dude, I just shot a deer of a lifetime. Freaking smoked him. Born with nature, and if you're a believer, born with God. Definitely gets your heart pumping. Boy, you are in trouble. All Obsession Podcast. All right, guys, welcome back to another Fall Obsession Podcast episode. I'm Sam, your podcast host. Our Fall Obsession Podcast is driven by Ridge Rock Hunt Company, and we'll talk more about them here in a few moments. Um, joining me technically in person right now is our production director, Nick Powell. What's up, guys? Back in person again. And if yeah. you guys are, whether you're listening or watching the video, I'm sure you've noticed by now that things sound a little bit different. And that is because we are on the road. This is a truck podcast. So we are actually recording right now while we are uh, traveling, heading out to the Texas Dirt Place. Kind of wanted to, the point of this episode today and kind of what we want to talk about. We've had some things happen since uh, deer season started that we want to recap, just uh, some some activities that have taken place so far in our season and also uh nick got a little bit of a new arrow build going on as well so we kind of wanted to recap that and talk a little bit of archery with you guys as well so um a little bumpy out here driving through stevens county so if uh the video's a little jiggled we're doing our best here but uh appreciate you guys tuning in so it is what today is it it's october 23rd October 23rd, on our way to Texas Dirt. This is your first hunt at Texas Dirt yep. this year. Yep. So, 
I don't know, man. I'm, I'm kind of excited, kind of recapping a little bit of what we've what we've dealt with so far. I've, I mean, I've, I've obviously hunted out here already and been able to kill a pig and a doe yeah. so far, get some early, early animals on the ground. I'm a lot more optimistic than I was last year. Granted, we got a lot more setups than we do uh, last year, which if folks have been watching the Texas Dirt Series on YouTube, um, they would see that as well. But um, I don't know, man. It's your first trip out here. How do you feel? Man, I've, and we've talked a little bit about it just driving up here. I'm freaking stoked to be out here. This is our second time to be out here together, which is cool because we're buds. And my first time hunting, actually hunting deer out here, you know, because the last time I was out here uh, was with you. The time before that was also like a work type trip where yeah. we were, you know, checking cameras, switching cards, checking batteries, that kind of thing, checking feeders, filling feeders. Yeah. Um, I was able to harvest a big pig out here as well. But it's been that's been three months ago now, I yeah. think, something like that. So, uh, man, I'm freaking stoked. I could not be more excited to be out here. Yeah, man, that's one thing, and I I don't know if we've really mentioned it a lot on the podcast, but our pigs have really turned on this year oh, yeah. a lot more than they were last year. Last year it seemed like the later we got in the year and the drier it got, the less pigs that we saw. We're coming into this season after one of the worst droughts we've had probably in close to 10 years yeah it's a, it's a record year drought for sure but yet our pigs are far far greater numbers than we were seeing last year yeah so um and that being said we uh the pig that i got to kill it was opening day of texas archery october 1st which i know doesn't matter for pig hunting but that's why i was out there and uh man holy cow he was a freaking toad just yeah. an absolute, absolute bruiser. Um, he came in, and I thought, like, I knew he was big. I knew he was one of the bigger boars we had. But first off, our boars, they've only ever traveled in singles or doubles. They never traveled with, with a group of them. Yeah, hardly ever. And he came in with a group of them. We're at the tail end. And Sal's piglets, they go straight to the feeder. He's in there snorting sniffing circling trying to figure out if something is in there that he doesn't like and i'm i'm only thinking like like the deer mentality is coming out i'm like man he's acting like a freaking deer he's gonna win me and he's yeah. gonna bust out of here and of course i'm zoned in on him because he's the big one you know he's yeah, visibly bigger than the rest and finally got him to settle in there a little bit enough to where i was able to get a 20 yard shot at him and put That's him awesome. down so, and I didn't realize how big he was until I walked up on him. Honestly, I knew he was big. Um, similar, if and I don't know if it is the same pig because we have two pigs out there the same size. But when Todd was out there with me in July, um, he shot shot at a pig that was either this pig or of equal size, and uh, we didn't recover that animal. Couldn't find blood, couldn't find anything, not really sure what happened. Gotcha. So I knew it was one that was that big, but I didn't realize how big that sucker was till I walked up on it. it yes, yeah. and the one the one that I shot, I felt exactly the same way. Yeah. Like, uh, you shot yours with a bow, so you were a lot closer than I was. I shot mine with a rifle, so I was probably 100 yards away. Yeah. And I did not realize how big he was until I was up on him and tried to drag him. And it was, I dragged him 
20 yards away just to get him kind of away from the feeder and that, yeah. was, that was about all I could move him by myself so yeah uh, yeah they are they are all there for sure yeah it's uh maybe we can go pick up your skull yeah that was one thing that we need to do we need to go try to find my skull and Todd's, Todd's skull too, while yeah. we're while we're out here I, I'm glad you thought of that but yeah, and, and on that note, the reason we're saying that, Todd's pig, we did, uh, when he killed that hog back in July, which Todd and I have podcasted about that and talked about his experience down here when he was in Texas. It was, I think episodes 113 and 114 um, were those podcasts that he and I recorded live down here. But um, with these pigs, and I think I talked about it a little bit back in those episodes, man, if you're unfamiliar with hunting Texas, these pigs are just, they're such nuisances. And these big ones, especially the size that you killed that day and that I killed on October 1st, these are pigs that you don't want to mess with, man. They're they're not good to eat. They they smell bad. Their their hair is literally greasy on the outside. Their skin is a quarter inch thick. It's just they're, they're machines. They, yeah, they, that they're just beasts. That's all they are at yeah. this point. There there's nothing there is nothing good about them. They are. They are varmints. They are beasts, and they are—they're a threat, really. Not yeah. just uh, sure. not just a dangerous animal when agitated, but um, also just to to the environment. They tear stuff up. They knock over feeders. They knock over fences. They tear up these dirt and gravel roads that we have out there. Yep. It's just at this point, these pigs are just animals that have to get taken out of here. So yeah. they can they can easily because like a lot of people keep their feeders at a decent height to where a pig, you know, a normal sized pig cannot reach it, but these pigs are so big that they can reach these deer height feeders so easily. I mean, it's just, you gotta take them out. Well, they can reach the feeders, and if you have a feeder that's anything but concreted into the ground, man, right. it, like, as soon as they figure out they can knock one of those poles over and take the whole feeder down and have unlimited corn for a day or so, yeah. Man, they're they do it to every single one. Yep. They're they're smart animals, smart. and, and I, th I feel like that's one thing that people don't really realize about hogs. Like, there's this misconception that hogs are stupid, hogs are easy to hunt, you know, and that kind of stuff. And there are aspects of hog hunting that are easier than whitetail hunting, uh, mainly if you have a big group of pigs. Because if you have a big group of pigs and your wind is right, you can you can get right in on them. Yeah, because I've done it before. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They they rely on their sense of smell as their biggest safety mechanism because they can't see very well and when they're in a big group like that they can't hear very well over their own noise yeah, which is so loud which is why you have the advantage but like these boars that travel by themselves they're the smart ones because their their skills their safety mechanisms they're more honed than the younger ones or yeah. than the ones that travel in a pack todd and i saw that when he was out here because that boar came in by himself and the second he stepped in wind was swirling just a little bit and we're tucked back into the brush but we're I mean it's 110 degrees at the time in July in Texas we're in shorts and t-shirts out there hunting granted neutral colors but still just shorts and t-shirts he can't see very well but the second he steps out he's on us he knows that there's something there yeah. and it, it uh, Todd said it felt like deer hunting he acted like a deer yeah. you know so yeah and I had the same experience uh, when I was hunting my axis out at the M5 ranch that's actually a Breckenridge Ridge as well. Yeah. Uh, that morning that I shot my axis, we were sitting in a stand that morning earlier, and we had three, uh, I wouldn't call them piglets, they were probably 50 plus pounds, uh, but they were smaller pigs, and um, 
they were just kind of not a care in the world. But then you had one boar come up after them who was a little bit bigger, a little bit older, a little bit wiser. And he immediately knew that something was off. Yeah. And gave one good, like, one good snort, and all four of them were out of there. Yep. So they're definitely not dumb animals. No. They're definitely more challenges to hunting them and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, I was very, I was very grateful to be in a tree stand. The wind, the wind wasn't perfect for that that evening hunt, but it was, it, it was good enough to where I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in the stand. But again, he's circling. He's, yeah. he's moving around because he's trying before he settles in and starts eating. He's trying to figure out if there's something, exactly. something in there that he doesn't like. So, just uh, it was very interesting to watch the behavior of God on film. It's going to be on Texas Dirt in an upcoming episode. Looking forward to sharing that with you guys, but um, one of the, the two biggest pigs that I have ever killed in my life, and certainly the biggest one that I've ever killed with a bow. Yeah. So, I'd say the same thing about mine. Yeah. It's pretty pretty awesome. But and it's just crazy that there's two boars of that caliber out there. I know. And in the and, same area. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, like it's there there are big pigs out there, and I think my dad up by because his stand is on the north end of the property, our bow setups are more toward the southern end. Yeah. Um, but my dad up by his stand, he has a pig up there that's pretty big. I don't think it's quite as big as this this guy, but he's he's getting there. So there's there's plenty of big hogs out there, man, and they like you see these groups of them, they just they stand out yeah, like nothing else. Sure. So but so I I had the opportunity to shoot that hog. Um wait till we stop jiggling. Yeah. <laughs> so I had the opportunity to shoot that hog and then uh kind of something that's not in Texas dirt a whole lot just because it happened out here on Texas dirt. My opening weekend hunt actually got cut short uh, because I got sick yeah. out there in the stand. Like, a bummer. yeah, bailing out of the camper, puking my guts out sick, which <laughs> wasn't very fun. Um, and that, that put a whole damper kind of on the, the start of my hunting season as far as what I had planned as far as when I was going to make trips and everything out there. But before, because I had some, I blocked off some time off at work and wanted to make the most out of it but um ended up being able to go back out there what was it i guess it was going on two weeks ago about a week and a half ago now i'd say yeah um got to go out there for two three more days before i went back to work and actually again out of that tree stand same tree stand i shot the pig out of i was able to shoot, <coughs> shoot a doe with my bow so pretty uh, pretty excited to be able to get a deer on the ground earlier in the year than i did last year um, and have some early success. That's a good feeling. So I really like that tree stand, man. And I, I, I am a tree stand hunter. I like being above, just up in a tree above yeah. animals. I do too. Instead of ground level, I will always pick a tree stand. But that's literally the only tree I've found in a spot I can put a stand set up so far. Yeah. Which is frustrating, but I'm enjoying it this year, opposed to hunting on the ground like we did all the year last year. Right. And I've honestly wondered, like, I set up the stand, I set, we set up the feeder. And I got in it for the first hunt, the hunt I killed the pig in, and I'm thinking, man, that feeder's only 20 yards away. I am, and I'm only, you know, in this Texas scrub brush, I'm only so far off the ground. It's like, man, I, uh, I feel like I'm really close. I feel like I'm really close to these animals right now. And I feel like they're going to figure me out pretty quick. Yeah. Like, I feel like I'm standing out despite being up in a tree. Man, those deer came in that evening. It was it was a group. It was two does and a spike buck that came in, uh, and they had no idea. 
that I was there. It, it felt awesome. so good to have deer just walk in at 20 yards and not even pay you any mind. Yeah. It, was, it was a great feeling. Something that I, just with the ground blind, I don't know, there's just a, a level of weariness that comes with that, I feel like, that yeah. is, is difficult to take on. So. Yeah, and I'll, I'll add to that uh, a, a gear suggestion that I have, that I have had success with, is some sort of leafy jacket or uh, some sort like uh, what's the leafy suits? Ghillie suit? Like a ghillie suit, type, yeah. Type, type deal. Something that looks leafy, that looks loose, that you can put on over your, if it's cold, you can put on over your jacket, something like that, just to break up your outline. Yeah. I think works wonders. And like if you say, like you said, you're super close, I think if you get something leafy like that that breaks up your outline that'll just camouflage you even more and I've had great success with mine that I have uh, last year I've had deer walk right under my tripod because last year I hunted a lot out of a tripod uh, with not a lot of cover around me and so I needed something uh, to just kind of cover me up a little bit and break up that outline uh, that human outline you know the deer can pick out real easily yeah um, and I had freaking awesome success yesterday having deer like walking right underneath my my uh, tripod. Yeah. So that's a suggestion that I would I would put out there for our listeners is like if you are planning on hunting out of a tree or hunting out of a tripod, but you're up close, obviously not a ground blind. But if you're out in the open, get something to break up that outline. Man, and, and you hit on the head with the breaking it up. That's the whole point of camouflage, whatever environment you're hunting in. Is you know I, I feel like it's talking to probably some more novice hunters that might be tuning in. The misconception behind camouflage is that you have to match your environment. It's not necessarily about matching your environment as much as it is breaking you up. That's right. what you're trying to do because yeah. deer in particular are colorblind, so they see shadows and shades is what they have. And if you have the right shadows and shades in your pattern to match your environment, yeah. it will help break you up. That's why we're seeing this comeback all of a sudden of some of these more... Uh, a, a new age spin on some of these older style camel patterns because camel patterns back in the day you know was the military style camo mm -hmm. that we all think of it wasn't the the real tree leafy stuff not, not that there's anything wrong with that stuff i i wear it you'll probably see me wearing it here <laughs> later today yeah but sure. um but you're seeing a comeback with a lot of these companies like furlough and first light and sitka and kuyu and all these companies that are coming out with these patterns that don't have specific um trees or grasses or stuff in it it's, yeah. it's all shades and shapes and colors and that kind of stuff in it and it's just they're trying to break you up yep. so that's the whole that's the whole mindset behind camouflage at this point so um man i wanted to i want to ask you because while you this is your first trip to hunt texas dirt this year you have already hunted this yes. year out at your other place what yep. what do you got going on out there because uh, last year if our listeners are returning from last year they might recall you having some encounters with a pretty big deer out there yeah, last year. Yeah, and, and uh, he's back this year. I know last year, just for those of you who don't know, uh, I, I did shoot a really good deer last year. 150-plus class. I would bug. think so, yeah, yeah some, something like that. Um, and he's he's back this year. Uh, I didn't I hit him low last year, had really good blood, was actually very surprised that he well, didn't die. Um, yeah. But I, I did hit him low, didn't hit him very good, didn't have good penetration anyways go listen to to that story um, but he is back this year and so uh, I haven't seen him yet in person he's still nocturnal because we're still pretty early in the season um, but uh, I have seen several does 
I did shoot a pig just last week. Didn't get a good hit on it either. He uh, had an issue with range. Didn't shoot him. Uh, didn't hit him very good. But um, anyways, yeah, he's back. I have seen some does. Uh, first night, actually, I got... I'm, I am now in a tree stand, not hunting out of tripods anymore, which is awesome because those deer, like like you said, they don't even pay you any mind. Right. Uh, and so the first night, 10 minutes after I got into the stand, I had two does, uh, two does, two yearlings, and a fawn walk 10 yards from me. Now the hope is that I have that out here tonight, yeah. so uh, if that happens, then I'm, I'm definitely going to harvest a doe. But that property, that, that Collin County property is just a little different. We don't have the number of deer that we have out here. So um, that's more of a trophy hunt, uh, trophy type hunt that you want to shoot big bucks and, and that kind of thing. So that's kind of what I reserve that for. Yeah. Um, the number of deer are much greater out here. So that's what that's what I'm using this for is to, to get that meat because I'm also a meat hunter. Yeah. We know that from, from past podcasts and such. So, yeah. Um, Anyways, that's, yeah, they passed right by me and paid me no mind, kind of like those does did to you yeah. a couple weeks ago. Well, hopefully that buck turns daylight for you and you get another crack at him. Yeah, I know I, so I know it was pretty crazy to, to have him survive. I'm, I'm glad he did as well, um, instead of, you know, obviously, the better outcome than not finding him or anything like that. Yeah, but, for sure. Uh, you know, despite it being frustrating for you last year, too, but... Uh, another thing too just like it's obvious that he needs to he needs to go this year because you you sent me a trail cam picture of him like dude he's back and i was like my first thought was he looks exactly the same yeah. as he did last year there's no antler growth at all which as we all know is is indicating that this deer is he's aging out so. yeah and i would i would estimate him to be five and a half to six and a half years old i would put him um, at six really and I don't know, because, like, last year he had a couple of cool kickers. This year he looks a little bit more mainframe uh, with, with less kickers. So, um, I, and I don't know if he's got the same mass or not or if his body just looks bigger. But his body looks huge. Yeah. He's so, a, well, he's a tank, and that's what you ended up naming yeah, him. So. That's his name. Yeah. So whenever I refer to tank, that's who I'm talking about is that Collin County yeah. bug that I'm after. So absolute massive deer. So so it could just be a little bit of both, you know. Maybe he's he's uh, trending down now because he is such an older he's, he's an older deer, uh, but he's also maybe his body has grown significantly as well. Yeah, making his antlers look small. So who knows? The only way we'll find out is if we if I get him on the ground. You know. Well, I I'm hoping that you do because yeah, he's gonna too. he's gonna be one one heck of a deer to put down absolutely especially with a bow well we're getting close to the lease this is going to be a shorter a shorter podcast um, but one thing i did want to hit on before we wrap it up is another thing that we did leading into this uh season was we got you set up with some new arrows Heck yeah for, and i needed it too yes <laughs> so you're you're running elite ritual as your bow you yep. got that thing you got What's your draw, 29 or 29 29 and a half? 29 and a half. Yep. 29 and a half inch draw, 73 pounds. So the arrows you running, were running were not ideal for that bow. No, they weren't. Because so, they were a 340 spine or a 
400 spine. Yeah, they weren't the right spine. They were a lighter weight arrow. You just you weren't getting all the efficiency that you right. could have gotten Maybe out of an arrow. Maybe you should explain spine for our listeners. Yeah, so I'll I'll, break, I'll go super basic with this just in case again. So we cover all our bases and, and make sure that the novice folks are taken care of uh, in the archery world here. Um, but so Nick, t taking Nick and I into this building experience, um, when you're shopping for arrows, the first thing you're going to look at is the spine of an arrow. And what spine refers to is the stiffness of an arrow. Folks oftentimes think if they're uneducated, they can assume that the number associated with the arrow, like um, what arrows did you end up going with? The, well, the brand. Oh, they're Black Eagle Deep Impact. Black Eagle arrows. Deep Impact. So let's take those for example. So I want to buy some Black Eagle Deep Impact arrows. Um, and there's a number that's associated with arrows. Oftentimes, the most common ones are 400, 340, or 300. Um, folks oftentimes think, well, that's how much the arrow weighs. That is incorrect. That number always refers to the spine or the stiffness of the arrow. The lower the number is, the stiffer the arrow is going to be. Um, the greater poundage you shoot, the faster that your arrow is coming out of your bow, the stiffer you want it to be. So that it, one, it takes all the energy that you're sending that arrow and no energy is being left in your bow because at that point it can actually, if you shoot a, like a 73 pound bow and you shoot like a 500 spine out of it, you're honestly probably gonna blow up your bow because that arrow is not stiff enough to run out of that bow. If you guys are watching the podcast video, you might be able to see me do this. When an arrow is traveling, and I don't have an arrow to hold conveniently, Thought, yeah, it's I, thought, I, thought I might be able to reach it back there in the back seat, but no, I can't. Um, and it's it's flexing, it's moving, and I'm over-exaggerating here on the video, but it's flexing as it travels through the air. So the faster that arrow was going, the less you want it to flex, because at that point, you are going to be hitting at the wrong, wrong angle. Um, kind of sidebar, but if you shoot uh, at your target, for example, practicing, and you notice that your arrow is entering at a little bit of an angle. Two things are either happening. One, your bow is out of tune, um, in which case you need to take it to a shop if you don't know how to do it yourself and get it back in tune, have it paper tuned. Or two, you're shooting a spine that's too low for your bow. That might be another reason that you see your arrow entering at an angle. Um, so all it is to say, that's kind of the, the summary behind spine. Arrows do have weights, but the weights are specific to what your arrow is cut down to, what kind of insert you put in it. Do you put weighted inserts in it? Um, and do you, uh, what size field point do you run? You know, those yeah. are all the things that impact uh, that in particular. So going back to yours, we wanted to put you with your draw length. Draw length plays a, uh, a role in this as well. Um, we wanted to put your draw length and with you shooting 73 pounds out of this bow, we wanted it to be um, appropriate for what you're trying to do. Yeah, for sure. uh, so we went with the 300 spine and then you wanted an arrow that packed a little bit of a punch. Yep. Um, and there's a heavier, heavier arrow. Yeah, and there's kind of a threshold that you have to be at with that as well because, like, what did your arrow end up weighing when it was all said and done after uh, you built it with out? With field points and um, the length of it and everything, it ended up being around 500 grains. Around 500 grains. So, out of a 73 pound bow, that is going to give you quite 
quite a bit of kinetic energy and, and, and pounds per square inch when you actually talk about the impact that you're having. Yeah. Um, however, if you, there, it would get to a point probably for that bow with you around the 650 to 700 grain mark is when you would start to actually lose some efficiency because yeah. the arrow is too heavy, if that makes sense. So when I talk about there being, and that's my own, I'm, I'm kind of spitballing that number, but when I talk about, um, you know, there being that threshold or you getting to that point where it's too much, that's kind of what I'm referring to right. right there. So something to keep in mind when you're building out an arrow. The other thing that is cool about and that I like about these uh, these deep, deep impact uh, Black Eagle arrows is it's a four millimeter shaft. Yeah. So it's a very, a very narrow diameter shaft, still your standard uh, thread size for the field point. So it's not a deep six. You're not having to change all your broadheads and all your field points to a deep six thread. Um, but you, you're getting the benefits of a smaller shaft with still the standardized thread size on yeah. field points and stuff. And that's because it runs an outsert, yeah. also contributing to uh, a heavy FOC on your arrow and producing that greater uh, weight and kinetic energy. Out of yeah, your bow. and I think I should explain a little bit of why I wanted a heavier arrow. Yeah. Um, because, so the arrows that I was shooting, uh, I actually bought with the bow that I was shooting before the ritual. And so <clears throat> I didn't have, I haven't built arrows ever since I switched to the ritual. I haven't built arrows for that bow which is really what you should do. Right. Um, because these bows were actually very different. Yes. Um, so, since I, these were basically just arrows that I bought, not arrows that I built for myself, I uh, wasn't, I think they, they weighed, they were a lighter arrow, probably, what would you say, high 300s, low 400s probably? High 300s, yeah. Uh, and so, every time I would shoot something, and they were accurate, I was accurate with them, but every time I would hit something, I wouldn't have good penetration. I shot three different animals last season and didn't get good penetration on all three of them and ended up eating tag soup last year. Yeah. So uh, this year I wanted to change that, build some arrows because really I, I had to because I only had two arrow, one arrow left when we built. And so uh, I really had to yeah. <laughs> and I needed to anyways. Uh, so it was just the right time. But... I wanted something that was going to actually get decent penetration and not just uh, fly super fast, yeah. which these will fly fast anyways, fly fast enough at least. Yeah. So, so. well, it was cool to, to get to build those arrows out. Just want to kind of share that a little bit. Um, hopefully maybe at a future opportunity, we, uh, we can dive into some arrow build stuff a little bit more. Maybe while we're out here, we can, with the arrows in hand, we can do a video and and talk about yeah. that stuff that'd be that'd be cool but yeah, we can throw it in on the, end, on the end of the podcast or something yeah um but for now um I, and i i bring us to conclusion because we just turned off of the main road and onto the bumpy roads <laughs> yeah. so the audio is going to get worse here in a second the video is going to get all jiggly and uh and we're about to, to have to settle into camp so um want to thank you guys for tuning in to another fall obsession podcast episode whether you're listening on a streaming app or you're watching the podcast video on youtube thank you if you have not already hit that follow and subscribe button on whatever platform you're listening or watching on we are on all major podcast platforms we're on waypoint tv we are on carbon tv um, and our podcast audio and videos are posted on our youtube channel as well 
All of that content you can also find on our website, fallobsession.com. That's the hub for everything. All of our video series, our educational videos and articles, our gear reviews, our, our podcasts, wild game recipes, you name it, it's on there. We cover hundreds of different topics in the hunting and outdoor worlds uh, from across the country. So be sure that you guys go and explore around at this point. Our platform has expanded so much that we literally have something on there for almost everything at yeah, this point, I feel for like. Sure. So covering um, a lot of bases. Yeah, whatever your interests are, you should be able to find it there. Um, social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, go wild. Head on over there and like, follow, subscribe, do all that good stuff. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, turn your notifications on. And again, we are on Carbon TV with our podcast and our two video series, Couch Chats and Texas Dirt, which Texas Dirt is the whitetail management series that we're filming and producing out here on the property that Nick and I are about to pull up to uh, right now. So uh, be sure that you head on over there and we'll be actually pretty much as soon as we finish recording this podcast, we'll be turning the camera around and uh, starting to film that film an episode out here so <laughs> yeah. we're we're always doing something <laughs> constant work constant work it never <laughs> ends man never ends ridge rock hunt company Derek and Lacey over there they are our podcast partner we love them we appreciate um, all the representation we get over there at ridge rock they book hunts with vetted outfitters across the country so if you guys are looking to book your next hunting experience or that bucket list hunt that you've been saving up for give Derek a call he will work with you to find a vetted outfitter somewhere um, in a location that you like and work with you as far as budget timeline all that kind of stuff so ridge rock hunt company go check them out thanks nick yeah fun. man it's always fun just the beginning of another adventure so we're about to uh, like i said start filming a texas dirt episode but thank you guys for listening for watching we're back again next monday as always for another fall obsession podcast and we'll catch you then catch you later